Amen. Great to have each and every one of you here tonight. How many's really happy to be right here at Victory Church tonight? Amen. We're glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, thank you so much for kind of tuning in tonight and just opening God's Word. Wasn't that incredible worship? Amen. Great worship. We're so thankful for our worship team. Listen, I want to just uh, thank Pastor Blackburn for just the opportunity to just stand in the pulpit tonight. He is on a well-deserved vacation, so pray for him. Don't you love our pastor? Amen? You always got to say that. We love our pastor. So thankful for him. He'll be back in the pulpit this weekend. But we're glad that you're here tonight, really, hopefully, to be challenged from God's Word. I love just opening God's Word to be able to see what He's going to share with us tonight because I believe this, that God's Word is one of these things. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? It, it doesn't return void. That means that tonight He is going to speak to each and every one of us. And so I just hope we have ears open, ready for Him to challenge us, to guide us, and lead us. Listen, could you do this for me? Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Very familiar passage tonight, verses 18 through 20. We're going to be talking about what it means to grow, go, and connect. And I hope that as we share tonight that you will really begin to connect with this scripture and these scriptures tonight. I'm going to throw a lot at you tonight. Uh, we're going to be having a lot of scriptures we're going to be working through, so I hope that you're ready. You open, anybody remember this? Years ago, you had your Bible sword drills. Remember that? You may be doing a little bit of that or some swiping on your smartphone. Whatever you're opening tonight, your NIV, King James Version, whatever. If it's the NIV, I always called it the truck version. But uh, anyway, it's good that you have it with you. Amen? Amen. Well, here we go. Matthew 28, it's going to be reading 18 through 20, and here's what it says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everybody say, Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now flip over real quick to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Again, a very familiar passage that we all know, but I'm going to read it to you. Listen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Amen? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What two great powerful scriptures that I believe there's a foundation in our lives. And if we don't have that foundation in our lives, I want to encourage you tonight that maybe we need to start living out these scriptures and be more aware and sensitive to what God is doing in our life through this scripture tonight. Now I want to illustrate it by this. I want to share with you a quick story. I remember as a kid growing up, and some of you know I'm from Arkansas, and um, that could go against you and with you. It just depends on how you look at it. But I grew up in a real small rural area, but I also had the opportunity to go out to my uncle's house who had a farm, who raised cattle, who raised chickens, I mean uh, turkeys, whatever it was, it was farm life. How many grew up on a farm? Just kind of a quick, you kind of understand that. How many city folk do we have in here tonight? All right, a little bit more city folk, but you understand this whole idea. Now, there's something that I got to experience that I am so thankful for growing up and being able to visit my uncle out in the country. And I remember visiting my uncle Rusty, and we would actually go to his in-laws, and we would hang out at his in-laws, and they were farmers as well. Now, something very unique that they did is that they raised dairy cattle. 
Anybody been around a dairy cattle at all? Black and white Holsteins. And so I remember as a kid going over to um, my uncle's father-in-law, and we were there, and I was there during milk season, the milk time, when they would begin to milk the cows. Now let me just take a quick survey tonight, maybe online. Have you ever witnessed dairy cows being milked? Hey, that is incredible. So you're with me. You kind of understand this thing tonight. So that's good. Hopefully online as well. So I have got to witness and be a part of this. And let me tell you, in my seven, 10-year-old body, I was pretty excited about connecting and experiencing what it was to watch dairy cattle being milked. It was utterly amazing. <laughs> you don't get that, you'll get that in just a little bit. So here's what I remember about that experience. I remember that when we, headed, we would head out of the house, uh, my uncle was there, he was going over to the, to the um, dairy barn, and then his father-in-law, and we called his father-in-law, everyone just called him Paul. And Paul would walk out of the house, and he had an Australian shepherd or border collie or whatever, and he would look at the dog, and the dog was ready, and all he would say is, go get him. And that dog would take off 90 miles an hour, I mean, a half mile, three quarters of a mile across the field, and within five minutes, 60 dairy cattle would be in the dairy barn. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty impressive. Maybe we'll say that? Yeah? You would think that? All right. Now, let me tell you about my own dog experience, and if any, any dog people, not that you like your dog, but you have a dog. Different from a dog lover, you may have, I have two chihuahuas, not by choice, but by my kid's choice. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Now, different from a border collie to say, go get them, here's, here's the deal. These chihuahuas, all they do is sit at home, they lay on the, the couch, snuggle in blankets, they go to the restroom, they sleep, they snuggle in blankets, they sleep, they snuggle in blankets, they go to the restroom, they do nothing. It's like having a two- and three-year-old in your house again. Anybody know what I'm saying? So as you look at these two different, I mean, opportunities, here is one dog that understands when it says go, and he goes and gets them. And if I were to say to my chihuahuas, go, it would be to bed or on a couch or in a blanket. You see what I'm saying? Now I wonder, how do we live our lives when we look into the Word of God and we see, hey, therefore go and make disciples, how do we act? How do we respond? Do we take it seriously? Are we so ingrained and been living for the Lord for so long that we forget about what really Pastor talked about last Sunday, the urgency to go and say yes to the King of Kings? I just want to hopefully challenge you a little bit when the Scripture says to go, that we're responding in a way that we can go and obey the Scripture. So in my own life, here's what I have decided. I have decided and I am determined to obey those verses in my life. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ to the point that it spills over that I want to go into a world that is broken and that is hurting and I want to help connect people with Jesus Christ. Just a few more amens. I want to be able to connect myself with Jesus Christ and help people. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? All right, you got to be with me tonight. You ready for this? Because that's what God call, is calling us to. That's what he's wanting us to obey, so we must do that. So if I were to tell you, hey, grow, go, and connect to your congregation, you probably would immediately think 
um, of some upcoming activities at church, some things that we're getting ready to do. But today, I want to focus on you being the minister and you connecting to your congregation. And when I say congregation, here's what I, I, I know and believe. In fact, I know this, that every believer... We are called to make a difference. We're called to have a congregation. We may not have a license to stand in a pulpit or be ordained, but here's what I do know is that we are all called ministers in the Word of God, and we all have the responsibility to go. That's a good place to say amen right there. So let me give you just a few points that will help us and help you understand as we grow in this, I call it just basic discipleship, what it means and how we can be challenged. Number one is this, when we grow in Christ, we will more clearly understand our calling. And what do I mean by growing in Christ? I mean, as we open his word, as we look at his word, as we allow the word to get into us, we're going to understand what he has called us to do. When we spend time in prayer, when we take the time to get in our, what we always call the prayer closet, I would say, we understand that how God is moving in our lives. So there's this calling. And here's what I want you to know. You are God's minister. Here's what I do know. It's not that it's just some cute saying that we all thought of on a Monday morning or Tuesday in a staff meeting and said, hey, if we really want to get busy, why don't we just tell them that um, they all should be ministers. No, it's not something that we have made up. It is something that the Word of God says that we must do. It's God's will that I believe for every single believer to be a minister. Now, let's look at God's plan from God's Word. And here's what I know about my life. For me, God's Word is the authority and everything that I lean upon and understand, I take from God's Word. It's my life. It's my direction. If you look back into the Old Testament and you start in Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, you see God leading uh, the, the children out of the, uh, Moses leading them out of Egypt, and God is pulling them out. He's giving them, as you remember, the Ten Commandments. And as He's giving them those Ten Commandments, He's kind of giving them vision. He's given them structure. He's given them help for who He wants them to be and how He wants them to live in life. Now, when you begin to open that scripture and you go to Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, and you're going to see it on the screen behind me, I want to point out some words that are being used. Listen to this. In Exodus 19, 6, it says this. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Everybody say priest. Priest. Remember that word. Then, as time goes on, you'll see this. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 6, and that's about 745 years later from Exodus, you see that God's heart is still the same, and he hasn't changed. You know what it says? And you will be called priest of the Lord. And you will be named, here's another word, watch this, ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Now, here's what's exciting for me as I look into this scripture. When you go back to Isaiah chapter 61 and you go to the very beginning of the chapter, this is not on the screen, but I want to read it to you. I want to remind you of some things that it says. Do you remember what it says? It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captors and release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. You remember that language? Isn't that an incredible scripture that speaks to us and, and kind of shows us how this is developing in the Old Testament 
And then all of a sudden, when you begin to move into the New Testament, do you remember in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus, he's back in his hometown of Nazareth, he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stands up and he reads from the scroll, and he pulls out the scroll, and guess what he reads from? Everybody, you may know it, Isaiah chapter 61. And what does it say? It said those exact same thing. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Isn't that incredible how it begins to weave all the way through the scriptures 1,400 years later? In between 700 years of history has gone by and God's heart is, I want you to be a minister. And all of a sudden, here's what we know from scripture. When you get to the New Testament, we see God's plan doesn't change. It becomes even clearer for us. It is more exemplified in the New Testament where every believer becomes a priest. And this is the great news. Now the priesthood is done away with. Now there's not just a select few that who can go into the presence of God, but the veil has been torn. And guess what? Every one of us can go into the presence of the Lord and ask boldly for him. Isn't that exciting? That's an exciting thing when we can step into the presence of God, ask those things, and because all of a sudden, here's the priesthood. Now watch, 1 Peter 2.9, you've heard this before, but you are a chosen people. Here's what it says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. That means... There's a body of ministers, that is everyone here, tending on Christ's behalf to a lost and broken world that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it for just a second. How did you come to the Lord? Did someone share with you, maybe outside the walls of the church, maybe it was inside the walls of a church, but someone prayed for you, maybe someone helped you, and maybe you have even recently come to the Lord and said, hey, I want to live for him. Listen, I believe God is always at work around you. God is pursuing you and loves you so much that as you've given your life to him, he is doing incredible things. Can you say amen for that? The good news is this. When God calls us, he enables us, right? What does that mean? It's true in every area of our life that if you are called to be a businessman, a businesswoman, that whatever you do in life, God is going to enable you. He has called you to do that, but guess what? You're still a minister of the gospel of Christ. Amen? Now watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says this. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives what? Life. And it's from that life that we begin to share, we begin to encourage, and we get, begin to make a difference in life. We need something, though. As we begin to go out, there's many here that may, you may say, you know what, that's not my strength. You may even say this, that's not really my gift. I don't believe as we look at Scripture, uh, it is a gift. We're all called to love and love people. Amen? That's what Jesus did. Now watch, there is something that is given to you for boldness in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We know that, just read it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, amen? There's a boldness that comes with that, and he helps us through that. So when I talk about God enables us, God helps you through those times, I can look back at my life, and you probably can look back at your life, and you can see the hand of God throughout your life. And isn't that amazing? when you can begin to see his hand of help and guidance. 
You know what? When God called me to Bible school, I was like, hey, I'm going to go. I didn't know exactly what God was doing, but I remember saying yes, obeying and going. And during that time, right now as I look back, I can see some amazing things that took place. One of those things was this. I remember going to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Some of you, I think, even attended there that are here tonight. Maybe even online. But as I went there, I remember living on campus the first semester, and I believe it was the second semester, but I remember my second year there, I had a good friend. And this good friend was a musician. He had, he had played with uh, people like Anita Bryant and Andy Williams and just a very talented musician. And he said, listen, Craig, I'm moving to Springfield, Missouri. I would love it if you came. He says, I'll have a room for you. All you have to do is show up, but I'm not going to charge you a thing. Cha-ching. Amen. God is helping. Amen. Can you see God leading? You call your dad. Dad, I have this opportunity to live somewhere free. It's going to save you money. What do you think? Should you pray about it? No, son. I've already prayed. God has answered the prayer. Go. How many dads would be and moms would be just like that? So I went. I remember another time when, when uh, that gentleman that, uh, that I just mentioned, he moved away. I had to find another place. And I remember going up to Central Bible College and they had efficiency apartments. And what that meant is that you could look and uh, maybe someone had a basement area that you could live in. And I remember one of our professors, some of you may remember him, but uh, his, he was a professor at Central Bible College, and his name was Brother Beckdahl, and he was a missionary. And he just happened to have a one-room apartment under his house. And so my dad said, let's go look at this. And so we went out to look at it, and when we looked at it, we were saying, how much is this going to be? And uh, Brother Beckdahl looked at my dad, he looked at me, he says, this is going to be $150 a month, utilities paid. And I was thinking, well, my dad and I will probably talk about this and see what the Lord's going to do and how he's going to lead. And my dad just said, we'll take it. Thank you. Like any great dad would do, right? But as I look back, maybe not uh, then, but now I begin to see and understand God's hand upon my life, my father's life, and being able to provide each step of the way. Aren't you thankful for God's faithfulness in your life? Sometimes it's good just to say, God, thank you for being faithful. I recognize that you are a faithful God. And he was faithful. I can tell you story after story, but here's what I want you to know. You, when you grow, you understand your calling in him. Now here's the second one. When we go for Christ, he will give us our assignment. Some of you may be here tonight and you're like, I, I, I have the... I want, I have the want to, I want to do and obey, but I don't know exactly how to put this in motion. What's my assignment? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I do that? Well, let me give you just a few things. Number one, God has given you a congregation, like I said earlier. You mean I'm supposed to preach on Sunday morning? No, not necessarily. But what he has given you is this sphere of influence. And this fear of influence that he has given you, you have to be aware of and see what God is doing in that area. God has placed you where you are for a purpose. God has placed you in a certain job. He's placed you in a certain community. He has placed you with certain friends for a purpose. And God is doing something in that, and it's time. We have to kind of wake up to that and see, hey, God, you do have a purpose for me right where I'm at. Right where I'm at. You see, God's assignment for you is to connect with a person 
And really, I believe as you befriend them and as you begin to share the gospel, that something happens in their life, and then you begin to see and, and hear all that God has done in your life through them and see what God is doing. You see, there is a reason that I obey His Word. Some, some of the stats that are given in evangelism explosion is, did you know this, that 90 to 95% of people have never led anyone to the Lord? That is a lot. And we have to stop and say, Lord, am I reaching out to people? Do I know how to reach out to people? Do I know how to sense and understand that there is an urgency that I need to fulfill and God is working into my life? You see, let, let me give you some keys to connecting to your congregation. Real quick, here they are. Pray for God's eyes and for God's heart. You go to Luke chapter 19, verse 40, 41, it says this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, you know what he did? Jesus wept over his city. He wept over it. He, he, he saw past, I want to say, the sin. He didn't look to the problems. He saw the people and he said, you know what? I love my city. What about our city? What, what about the place that where God has placed you, your community, your friends, your job? How do you look at that? How do you view that? I remember, uh, um, this has been several years ago, but I remember driving to work at a church. I was at a different church at the time. And I remember as I would drive to church, um, I would see about a mile from the church this homeless man. And when I saw this homeless man, I would drive past his place and it literally was right on the side of the road. I mean, when you drove by it, you could see this. You could see that he had some old tires that lined the road. You could see that he had stacked some rocks, a path to his little tent that he had. He had some um, um, uh, tires and hubcaps. I mean, he had all this, everything that he could gather, he decorated to make his, his own home. And did you know what happened to me? Every time I would pass him, something would tell me, you need to stop. You ever had that happen to you? You need to stop. You need to say something to him. You need to get to know him. He's here all the time. Why don't you stop? You're going to church, and you won't even stop and talk to him. Anybody ever had that kind of conviction? It's like, man, Lord, why are you doing this to me? Well, because it's my word. That's what we do, right? And so one day, I stopped. And I remember stopping, and I remember getting out, and I remember just walking up to him, and I said, hey, my name, my name is Craig, and I just want to... I just want to get to know you. I pass by every day, and I just wanted to get to know you. He says, well, well, my name is Bob. And I said, Bob, tell me a little bit about yourself. And here's, I mean, he started out with this. He didn't know who I was. I just introduced myself as someone who passed by. He says, well, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. He talked about going to church. I didn't even ask him about church. And so I said, man, I, I was on my way to church, and we started talking about that a little bit and, and just reaching out and thinking, man, I, and so every once in a while, I would just stop to see how Bob was doing. I told him about church just around the corner, and hey, if you ever need a ride, if you ever need anything, I, I'm, I could take you. And he would say, okay, but you know, would never show up, but I was stopping. I remember telling this to, to, to some family members and some people at, a, at, at this event I was at, and and um, we had a bunch of leftover, like, just cakes and all this. And I'm like, man, we probably should drop this off at Bob's and, and just let him have it. And then I felt convicted because I'm like, man, if I drop him three cakes, I don't want to give him diabetes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
I didn't have vegetables to give him. I just had three cakes to give him. But, and so I remember just dropping that off. He wasn't in, and I, I just laid the box there. And did you know that within a week, I would drive by his, his place all the time, and there were boxes of food that was laid out for him that our people had just stopped and said, hey, we want to bless you. Amen? Now, I share that, and here's what I want you to know. Sometimes I don't always get it right. Sometimes I miss the voice of God. Is that, how, is that everyone? You miss it. But I'm telling you, I want, I want to do what is right. I always, my heart is, want, I want to do what is right. I want to listen to him. But here's what I've learned. Sometimes it doesn't feel right. Sometimes you think it's the pizza I ate last night. But here's the principle that I want to live by. Is listen, I'd rather be wrong a thousand times than miss Jesus one time. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be like, I think I missed that one. That's okay. Because isn't this a growing process? Aren't we learning to grow in him and then go in him? And sometimes we're not always going to get it right, but we need to make sure that we're obeying and going. Amen. Second thing is show your faith before you share your faith. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. You've heard it. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, what's incredible about this scripture passage, if you were to go back in Matthew's day and you were to go to one of their houses that were living in that day, some of you may know, and some of you may not know, but oil, if you had olive oil to burn candles in, in the house, that was a very important thing. Did you know that some of the poorest of poor in that day had oil so they can burn a light at night? And if you burned a light in your house at night, it would stay, up, stay on all night. It would signify that there was someone in the house and would keep robbers away. Did you know that? But here's the thing. Everybody tried to make sure that they had oil so the light would never go out. And here's what I also think, that sometimes we're really good about shining a light on Wednesdays and Sundays, and sometimes we miss Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But if we caught the vision of shining our light all the time and understood the importance of being filled God, I believe, would do something great. Now, the difficult thing, here's what happens in our life. We're all shining bright until we go to Publix and someone cuts us off in line. And then the war is on. You mumble under your breath. And if you're laughing right now, this may have happened to you today. And you're angry. You're seething inside. You're saying, why is this happening to me? And it's taken a long time. I'm... I'm really good at getting in the longest line and at taking the longest time. If you want to get in line with me, it's going to be the worst line. I mean, every time it happens to me. But we'll sit there and we'll say that because here's the thing. The Bible said it doesn't say shine your light on others. It says shine your light before others. 
You see, we've got to be authentic in the way that we live and how we do things in front of others to make sure we're doing the right thing. Here's another thing. Intentionally pursue and build relationships. Matthew 9.10 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, I get excited about the first five words. While Jesus was having dinner. Isn't it awesome that you can reach out to people and eat? Let's all go to Crackle Barrel tonight. Amen? Who's in? I mean, I like that idea that we can eat and look for God and we can reach out to people. You see, we live in this crazy, hectic, I mean, chaotic world. It's busy. But sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves this question. Have I spent time with people that maybe I don't know real well? Have I spent time with maybe a few sinners in my life lately? Do I even have any friends? Am I a good friend to other people? Can I help people? Can I share with people? I mean, we live in this day and age where Facebook tells you you have a lot of friends. But it should say acquaintances, shouldn't it? I I have a lot of acquaintances, but are they all really good friends? Not really. The other thing is this. Pray and be prepared. Colossians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6 simply says this. It's Paul speaking, and he says, Pray that I may proclaim it, and that's the gospel, Clearly as I should. Listen, if the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I need help being able to share what God is doing in my life and being able to proclaim this this message. Listen, I need help. And so here's what it says. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This isn't a suggestion. This is exactly what Paul is admonishing us to do. But if we'll take that into consideration, God will help us and help us understand what he's doing. He's calling us to something, and all of a sudden we have an assignment from him. Now here's what we need to do. Here's our strategy. When we connect others to Christ, we must have a strategy within our life. How do we do that? I think you do that by doing this. You have connecting points in your life. It's you being the minister that God has called you to be. It's understanding that, listen, you have an incredible, incredible opportunity to reach out to the people among you. And you know what? It's exciting to watch this church do that. Let me give you a quick story. Um, a, a week and a half ago, something like that on a Sunday night, we had an incredible new members or new, new people's party. And at our new people's party, Pastor Tim and his team put that together, and it was just an incredible night. And I think we had about 85 people at the new people's party that saying, hey, I love Victory Church. That's a great place to clap right there. Amen? That is awesome. I love that. I love to hear that and be a part of that. And during that time, as we sat at these tables and we got to hear the stories of these new people, I sat right by a lady, and I just began to kind of go around my table. Hey, how'd you find out about Victory Church? What what led you here and all that? She says, you know what? She says, you will not believe this, but tonight I was at McDonald's. I'm kidding you not. I was at McDonald's ordering some food, and somebody was talking about church and mentioned Victory Church, and she said, I began to ask about it, and they said, yeah, they have church on Sunday night. Why don't you go up? And she said, I think I'll do that. She came to church on that Sunday night and then heard about the New People's Party, which is a great fit to just come and be a part of the New People's Party, and there she was for the first time because she went to McDonald's. But get this, somebody was talking about Victory Church. Aren't you excited about that? Listen, it's time. I love being excited about Victory Church. 
and all that God is doing. He has done, he is doing, and he's going to do. It's a great place to be a part of. And those are just some connecting points that God does, and he does awesome in that. It's ultimately reaching out and helping people. It's this. It's building relationships on common interests. And we purposely do this, and this is how God begins to work. He brings all this common interest in, and here's what I love about having, I want to say, small groups and classes, and there's places to connect all over this church. Sunday morning, there's uh, Sunday school classes at, at um, 9.30 and, and 10.45 that you can connect with. There's elective classes tonight. There's divorce care and grief share. There's hurting people meeting tonight in a classroom in the hospitality suite because they're broken. They heard about grief share, and the great thing is they're connecting with people. Divorce care, people walking through divorce. I mean, we could go anger management. There's all kinds of classes taking place, student ministries. There's, um, there's uh, what we would call um, activity small groups of golfing. If you want golfing, you, there's connecting points right here that we can connect ourselves to, and God can do great things. And you know what? Maybe your friends, maybe they don't want to come to church. Maybe that's not their first step. Maybe their first step is coming to a small group. Maybe their first step is coming to something like that that helps them get and gets them um, interested about what church is all about. And all of a sudden they find themselves here and God does something amazing in their life. Now remember, Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, it says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was creating a connecting point. Jesus said, hey, Matthew, I want you and all your IRS buddies to come over to the house. we got something going on. I've got some barbecue pork, not pork, i got some barbecue beef kind of <laughs> making, and it's going to be great. You're going to love it. i got maybe some chickens we can put on. It doesn't, I mean, I've got some nice veal. You know what I'm saying? I hope I'm communicating to you tonight that there is something going on, and Jesus understood the power of that. And so here's what we know. Jesus knew that they were lost and they needed a Savior, and so here he is. He's building bridges to people, and it is about building bridges to people. Connecting points takes God's plans and God's principles and organizes them into a relevant strategy for reaching our community. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Isn't that awesome? We're his ambassadors. There's no way you can get around the, script, the truth of God's scripture. It's truth, and we live by it. I remember years ago, as I close, years ago, and I was getting a haircut, and I remember kind of sitting down in the chair and getting this haircut, and this young lady came up, and she began to cut my hair. And you know how you get conversations? There's some people that you, when you get a haircut, there's great conversations that take place, and then some are very quiet. I like the ones that talk, so I can just sit there and enjoy this haircut. And so I'm, I'm sitting there enjoying this haircut, and I'm talking, and as you go back, as you go back, you begin to build a relationship and build a relationship, and all of a sudden... Um, she knows, this young lady's name is Heather, and Heather knows that I, I work at the church in town, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I begin to tell her just, um, just throughout this different time of getting a haircut about our church and about the great things and everything that's going on. And she's like, 
yeah, that's good. She never would say a whole lot, but she would, I could tell that it piqued her interest. And so all of a sudden, one, one, one Sunday, I'm walking through church, and on the back row, there she stands, worshiping God. I mean, it was incredible. Now, now here's the amazing thing is I didn't go up to her at that time. I just waited until the next time I got my hair cut. And, um, and so when I was there, that, it just happened to be on that Sunday morning I was sharing a message, and she said to me, hey, I happened to go to your church, and you were preaching that Sunday morning. I said, and she, says, it was, she said, it was right where my life was living, and I needed to hear that so bad. I'm coming back next week. And she became faithful to church, faithful to church. Now, the amazing thing is she um, started, um, she was divorced, started dating someone, dated a, a man named Robert, and Robert started coming to church. And they began so, we got so involved, went through membership, went through all those classes, then came to me and said this, listen, we know that God is leading us together, and we want to know this. Would you marry us? Absolutely. Awesome. Married them. And then something also cool happened. She said, hey, Robert and I have been talking, and she had her own kind of cutting hair at a different place on her own. She said, we feel that maybe we should give you some, a free haircut now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mean, God is moving, amen. Now, <laughs> I was excited. Now, here's the thing. A month later, she moves. They move to Michigan. <laughs> Stupid Michigan. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I like Michigan. Don't worry. Amen? De Detroit Tigers. But here's what I'm saying. Isn't awesome when you make connections with people and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of their life and they somehow get connected? I'm just telling you, throughout your day, throughout your life, wherever you go, whatever you do, God has a calling on your life. God has a strategy for your life. And God is going to help you connect people to him because of you and God working through you. Amen? Amen. Stand with me tonight. You may be here tonight for the first time. You may be here and you just kind of slipped in church for the first time and, and, and you heard about Victory Church and you thought, I'm going to go to that church, and you know what? You may have heard this message, and something inside of you is calling you to him. Can I tell you this? That that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. That God has been working in your life before this night, and he's working in your life tonight, and he's going to work in your life even after this service. You may be here and you say, you know what, I feel like I need to give my life to him. I need to rededicate my life to him, but I need to start following him in my life. I want to encourage you to say a prayer, to say a prayer and ask the Lord to come into your life. I'm going to say that prayer in just a moment. I want you to repeat that after me. And then we're going to have an altar time when we're going to come before the Lord in just a moment. But first, I want to pray for you if you don't know the Lord. Could you just simply say, and everybody say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus thank you for your love to me. Thank you for your love to me. I ask tonight, I ask tonight that you would come into my life. I want to make a brand new start in my life. I want to put you at the center of my life. Would you come and be the Lord of my life? I want to live for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Now listen, in just a few moments, I'm going to open these altars, and I want you to come, and I want you to pray. I want you to connect your faith with someone right down here, one of these altar workers. But also, I want to extend that. You may be here tonight, and you're struggling with this idea. You know what? There are people at your work. There are people around you, your neighbors or whatever, and you have been trying to find the words. You've been trying to find the time. You've been trying to step out of maybe some fear and step out in faith and say, I need to connect. God, I need some words. I need you to help me understand how I need just to reach out tonight. And if that is you, I want you to come down. I want you to come down and pray. We're going to pray for you. You may be here tonight and you have loved ones. that don't, They do not know the Lord. You have a son, a daughter, a grandson, granddaughter, uh, a nephew, a niece. It doesn't matter who, a mom or a dad. It doesn't matter. And you say, you know what? I want to lift them before the Lord. And we're going to pray for them. You may need a strategy to reach out to them. Listen, I know this, that God is here to answer those prayers. You may be here tonight and you just need special healing in your body. Listen, we, we serve a God who heals, who loves, who helps. Amen? He's here to heal, and he's here to help you. So when Pastor Mark begins to sing, I want you to do this. Step out of the aisle where you're at. Come down, and we're going to pray for you. Whatever you need, this night is here for you. You come.
Amen. Isn't God good? I want to encourage you tonight. Hey, don't forget just to pray. Ask the Lord to help you as you step out. And we've got a purpose each and every day, wherever God leads you, your work, your neighborhood, whatever he's doing, he's got a plan and a purpose. If you're watching online, listen, we want you to know this, that God loves you. He has a plan and purpose for you as well. And listen, step out in faith. See what God can do. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for your goodness tonight. Thank you for your word that does not return void, helps us each step of the way. And Lord, helps us in our strategy, our calling, and God, what you're doing specifically in every one of our lives. Thank you for reminding us how much you love us. And Lord, that we need to reach out. Help us to go. Help us to reach out to people around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray and believe. And everybody said, amen. Go in his grace and go in his peace tonight.